0: Okay, so I think that is us. We're slightly behind the time, but that's because myself and Dan were having such a fascinating and interesting conversation. I didn't actually want to go live. (laughs) But anyway, yes, my guest here today on the Spirit Channel podcast is Dan Closier. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Clauser, but Clauser, it's okay I should have asked you that beforehand. Nope, no yes, problem. This is this is this is the joys of being an amateur podcast. <laughs> we don't have this polished and slick performance and we we generally don't ask the, the right questions. Dan, um I'm really interested to, to hear his story and I'm hoping everybody else is really interested. Dan is an author, a blogger. He's also a podcast host, speaker and consultant. And just to give a little background on Dan. Dan and his wife, Sandy, along with their golden retriever. Um, I can't pronounce that name.
1: It's eucalyptus uh, eucalyptus um, love Yes. Yeah.
0: So Dan, eucalyptus and Sandy um, sold their house up in 2020 and made this crazy decision to a lot of people um, to invest their money into an RV. So most of their possessions um, and hit the road and since 2020 have pretty much not looked back and that's exactly where they live they move from state to state from town to town living in this RV and perhaps the most fascinating thing about this is that they fill their time by volunteering wherever they go and we're going to get into that a bit much but some of the stories of um, Dan and Sandy's volunteering have been absolutely inspiring we're we're here to find out a bit more about them dan's website is the journey of my mother's son and he has a book out by the same name so we're going to get into that there this is the second book out of dan Uh, his first book was beauty the beauty of a diamond through the eyes of a coach which is concerns his life in coaching for baseball and dan for 30 years ran a non-profit organization for kids in baseball which later became the big vision foundation so I'm hoping that um, everyone's just as interested in, in this here as, as I am. We've done a very, very warm welcome to the show and such an honor to have you on here and such a pleasure. I'm really interested
1: to hear some of these stories. Thank you very much. I'm I'm honored to be on and to be able to share this time with you. Brilliant.
0: So Dan, I guess just before we get into the the thing, because one of the reasons why uh, initially, what, what kind of drew me to you as a guest was the fact that, um, obviously, as I just talked about, is that you and your wife have made this decision to live outside the system. Um, and what I mean by that there is the normal kind of nine to five job, the normal five days a week, the normal living in a house, putting up in your car, you know, uh, getting your meal at night, having a few hours conversing with your other half, or whatever the case may be going to bed and getting up and repeating the same system again so this washing machine cycle that most of us are kind of locked into and and you're kind of fulfilling a lot of people's dreams and mine in particular of living outside this kind of system and traveling the country and meeting interesting people seeing interesting sites and obviously doing this incredible worthwhile work of volunteering And the reason why, as I said, I found this interesting, not only because it's a bit of a dream of mine, but because I was able to experience that life for about four weeks um, where I lived in my camper van, where I traveled from place to place and decided, okay, where am I gonna sleep next? Where's a good location? Um, I scarred Google Maps and looked for kind of lay-bys, looked for places of natural beauty beside lakes, forests, pretty much in nature. And I woke up each day with the sunrise, um sometimes it was really busy this traffic you you hear that kind of traffic on the road the people who are installing in part of that system to get to get to their job but i kind of just woke up made a meal for myself and wherever i was if it wasn't too far away or if i was in that exact location i would take myself for off for a lovely walk in nature which i know you've talked about too so i can honestly relate to this life but you're actually doing this as a lifestyle so for me to to kind of have that um lifestyle and to be pulled back into this system was um was difficult it was difficult it it was a, there was a big reluctance for me to to end that and to become normalized I guess into this here so um what I guess what I'd like to know is how on earth this came about or how on earth you go from someone who works 60 to 70 hours a week um, and joking that that the reason your marriage worked is because you never seen each other, to <laughs> taking this decision, this life-changing decision, to sell your entire home right at the start of COVID and to invest it in an RV and to then spend 23, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with that person who you've seen very little of so I'd love to hear your bit of background about how this journey came to be if you if you could share it with us take as long as you want
1: absolutely um and it is it is very interesting um you know my my mom did a, a version of what we're doing back in the 1980s, um, which is part of why the podcast and the book is called The Journey of My Mother's Son. So she had taken an old 1967 Plymouth Valiant, took the backseat out of it, stuck a mattress in there and a sheet of plywood to bed and traveled around the country. And she'd reconnect with friends and family and she would volunteer a lot. Um, she later on graduated to like a little Toyota camper, um, but did the same thing. Um, and did a lot of volunteering. Volunteered with hurricane relief efforts in Florida, went up to uh, New York to ground zero after 9-11. And, uh, I mean, she just had an an incredible life and a a life of service. And never in my wildest dreams did I anticipate following in her footsteps. Like, I loved her story. Um, She passed away back in 2005. And I loved telling people about her story. I mean, she really was my hero. Um, But never in a million years did I think that her story would become my story. And then in early 2019, I took two solo trips um, by car. Uh, uh, One was from where we lived in Pennsylvania down to Dallas, Texas, for the American Baseball Coaches Association convention. From there, I went to Louisiana and visited some friends and then went home um and then i did the same thing about a month later uh to orlando florida again drove down drove back and it was one of the first times in my life that i actually took my time and enjoyed the journey Um, we traveled a lot in our organization but every time we traveled we were on a very regimented schedule like Mm -hmm. we had to be here at this time had to leave at this time had to be at the next place at this time So it was always very regimented. And this is one of the first times, probably the first time, uh, other than the one time that I actually uh, tug along with my mom on her road trip, uh, that I took my time and and enjoyed it. And something hit me while I was on the road that was like, wow, man, like I get it. Like after all these years, like I really get why mom did this. And it's not that I didn't understand, but I don't think I really understood Mm. until that moment. And when I got back, um, I was in the process of adding 10 chapters to my first book, um, but with the amount of time I was putting in and working, it was very difficult to, you know, to carve out time to sit down and write. And when I got back from both of those trips, I just, I wrote like I hadn't written in years. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's kind of like this voice in my head saying it's, it's time to start a new chapter. You know, it's time to start a new chapter. And I, I did not embrace that. I did not embrace that. Um, I loved what I was doing. Uh, yeah, I was working a ton of hours. Um, but I always justified it because I was helping kids, you know? So, yeah, I'm working 70 hours a week, maybe 80 hours a week, maybe longer in the summer. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm helping kids, you know and, and that meant a lot to me. So we were, we were doing good work in this organization. So
0: sorry, Don, just to interrupt you. what I don't think I quite adequately explained what it was that you were doing 70 80 hours a week because I know you've talked about that's worthwhile, but what exactly was it that you were doing at that time?
1: So we were running a nonprofit youth sports organization. And part of what we did is we ran a sports complex and, you know, the complex was very high maintenance. It was, you know, over the summer, it's seven days a week on weekends. We're running tournaments where we'll have, you know, 60, 70 teams come in for a weekend. So, you know, on a tournament weekend, my day would, would generally start at about 5 AM and end about midnight, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but, you know, the underlying factor is we were doing it for the kids. You know, we weren't Mm -hmm. doing it to get rich. We weren't doing it for, you know, fame or fortune. We were doing it for the kids. Um, so that was always the justification of the long hours. And, you know, when I first kind of started, you know, hearing this voice of, you know, you've done enough. Um, it's time to time to move on time to start a new chapter. Like I said, I, I did not embrace it. Um, And it took a while and it took a lot of internal strife, you know, and uh, you know, I'm also trying to, um, you know, discern like, is this, is this God speaking to me? Is this my ego? Am I completely losing my mind? You know, like what's going, what's going on here? And, you know, after a while I I came to grips with it and I was like, okay, you know, all right, Lord, if this is what, you know, this is what you're telling me to do. I, I don't know why because I think I still have work to do here. Um, but I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll do this. So now it was time to, you know, convince my, my wife. <laughs> um, had you so not told her at this point? No, this was all inside of me, you know, cause, cause I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to even broach that conversation with her at that point, because it was just, again, it was just like a battle inside my head. Um, you know, as to whether I was going to buy into this. So one night we're, you know, down in our basement watching TV and I, you know, I turned to her and I'm like, Hey, I've been thinking, um, maybe we should sell everything and, and buy an RV and travel around the country like mom did. And she had immediately thought that I did lose my mind. She was like, again, no way, you know, Um, she had a very good relationship with my mom while she was alive. And she's like, look, man, I, I love that story as well. But again, kind of like I was like, that was your mom's story. That's not our story. That's not what we're all about. Um, so I kind of let it go for a little bit. And then, um, she was in a spot professionally where she had been been laid off from corporate America about two, two years, almost two years prior to that. And, Uh, She did get another job, but it was a job that was temp to permanent. Um, And initially, they told her that, you know, two or three months in, they would hire her permanently and, you know, she would be part of the company. And after that, you know, they kind of kept delaying the conversation. Um, And, uh, you know, they'd tell her, no, we're not hiring. It's still going to be a temporary position, um, all this sort of stuff. And this just kept going on and, you know, we'd have conversations. And again, I wasn't, well, she would probably have a different story as to how persistent I was, but I didn't think I was overly (laughs) persistent. She would probably say I was, but um, at at one point, you know, we're taking a walk, we're walking the dog and, you know, we're, we're having the conversation about doing this and again, she's like, you know what, maybe it is a sign, you know, this, this isn't opening up. You know with the the name of the company she was with at the time temporarily was ugi she's like you know this isn't opening up with with ugi you know it seems like they're just not willing to you know pull the trigger and um you know maybe it's a sign maybe it's a sign and so we kind of had that conversation for a little bit and um you know i guess the one day you know that same conversation took place at her workplace where it was you know I'm ready to be part of the team, you know, permanently. And, uh, they just him and hauled and we're like, no, we're not, you know, we're not hiring. And, you know, she came home and she's like, okay, I'm in. And, uh, we were, I was like, Oh, okay. All right. This is, <laughs> you know, um, and, and there might've even been a part of me who was hoping maybe she wouldn't say yes. You know, yeah. I could say like, Hey, you know, I tried my, <laughs> yeah. you know, not my yeah. fault, uh, blame her, uh, But, uh, so she was in, so then, uh, you're like, okay, let's, uh, let's do this. So the, the next step was to, uh, to let our kids know. Um, so we gathered them, you know, got them all over for a, you know, Sunday afternoon picnic at the house and, and, uh, you know, told them and, you know, very mixed reactions from our kids, you know, from, wow, that's really cool to, again you completely lost your mind. Like, what are you guys doing? Is this a midlife crisis? You know, what's, what's going on. And then, you know, till the end of the picnic, we found out that they probably were okay with the decision. Cause now they're walking around the house, picking out pieces of furniture. Like, well, Hey, when you, when you guys leave, can I, you know, can I get this, you know, this thing? Can I get this towel rack? Can I get that? So we're like, all right, they're, they're okay with it. Um, and uh, you know, so we just kind of stayed on course and later on in 2019 her and I uh, drove down to Charlotte North Carolina and uh, on the way back again I, th- I think and at this point you know we had both committed to this but there were still times where I wasn't a hundred percent sure if Sandy was in you know with both feet mm-hmm. and on our trip back from um, from Charlotte we went up the Blue Ridge Parkway which oh. is a you know a scenic byway in you know that goes through Virginia back up on our way up to Pennsylvania, and it's in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it's absolutely you know beautiful scenic byway. And we stopped at a place, uh, you know, early in the morning, had breakfast, and then just went up the parkway and you know stopped at a bunch of areas, you know, where they have lookouts where you could look out over the mountains. And you know, it normally would have been about a three-hour drive, um, probably took us about seven hours because we just stopped at you know just about every lookout we could stop at. And I think that's when she she was in 100%. Like after that, it was like, okay, I could get into this. And, um, you know, over the winter, as the season ended, uh, for our organization, and we, you know, I had announced, you know, that it would be my last year, um, you know, we just kept, you know, putting things into motion. And at first, you know, it was like, we'll put the house on the market in January. But we're in no hurry to sell because our original plan was to leave like may of 2020 we figured that would be you know enough time to sell the house start looking at rvs um got a really good deal on a 2019 uh leftover rv it was new but it was you know leftover model so yeah. it was discounted so i had a really good deal on that and um you know then you start hearing you know these waves of covid you know yeah waves of covid I think like everybody in the beginning, we're just like, ah, it's not, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, it's, it's, it's over there. It's not over here yet. And then, you know, you hear about the first case in Washington and it's like, you know, it's still not here yet. Um, and then, uh, you know, March 20th, 2020 is when we were sitting in the dealership of the, uh, the RV dealer, um, you know, getting ready to take this thing off the lot, which was the, exact same day that the governor of Pennsylvania was issuing the shutdown orders.
0: Oh, right.
1: At this point, we had already been having conversations with our real estate agent about taking our house off the market because we didn't want it to look like an old listing, you know, just sitting on the market for a while yeah. and you know, possibly devaluing it. So, you know, again, we're, we're looking at each other and like, man, are we crazy or what? Because you know, the plan was not to have a mortgage payment and an RV payment and know, not knowing what in the world was going to happen. Um, Sandy had been moved to working virtually at that point. But we, again, we didn't know, you know, would that be a week? Would it be, especially with her being a temporary, you know, would, would she be the first ones to be like, okay, we're getting ready to this part, getting rid of this part of the staff. But there was also this sense of peace, you know, as we sat there, that this is the right decision. Like just have, have faith. Like, this is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, you know, we went through with it, uh, took the RV home. It sat in the yard for, you know, a couple months. Um, as things started to kind of open up a little bit in Pennsylvania, we, um, we took it on a couple test runs just up to you know, our kids' houses. And uh, our one daughter and son-in-law have a hunting camp up in Sullivan County, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, two, three hours north of where we were. Uh, so we went up there for Memorial day weekend and, uh, you know, again, really enjoyed it. It was funny as we were walking around the one state park we were in, you know, I'd said to my wife, I said, you know, this is the first time in 30 years that I haven't spent Memorial day weekend at a baseball or softball field. Um, which was very liberating because I mean, that was it. I missed every holiday picnic that we had Mm -hmm. as a family for 30 some years, because, you know, in the youth tournament business, holiday weekends are big weekends, Memorial day, July 4th, labor day. They were always our biggest weekends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, being there with our kids and our grandkids, uh, it was like, you know, this is okay. I I could get, I could get used to this.
0: this,
1: And shortly after that, the housing market opened up again, house went back in the market. We had four showings and had an offer on it. And again, luckily it was kind of a long-term settlement because they had a property just they actually had two properties to sell. Um, so we didn't settle. We were originally supposed to settle the end of August of 2020, August 31st. And they ended up selling their properties quicker than they anticipated. So we moved the settlement up to August 14th and like every step of the way, it was like just one more step of faith you know, just saying, okay, this is really happening. This is really happening. And then when the settlement got moved up two weeks, um, you know, like two weeks normally doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you're selling everything, like it, it turned in, like the last week her and I are looking at each other. and like, why did we agree to move settlement up again? Like we've got a lot of stuff to get out of here. Um, but it all worked out. It, it worked out, um, so incredibly well. I mean, better than we would have ever anticipated. And, um, uh, you know, we ended up settling on the house in and, and, uh, mid August and, you know, branched off and we, we stayed at our, our one daughter's house, um, for about a week. And then, uh, then went out, our other daughter lives out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is another hour west of where we are. So then we went out there, you know, again for another week or week and a half before we actually started off on this first, um, this first journey. And you know, ironically or not so ironically, the first journey was just going down the Blue Ridge Parkway, um, the entire length of it, from Virginia to North Carolina. And again, it was it was just an incredible um, you know start for us. Um, It just so happened that two of my cousins were going to be in Asheville, North Carolina, at a campground um, as we were passing through, and we didn't have reservations. Like we had had one campground reservation made on this trip for one night for the first night. And after that, it was like, "We'll we'll figure it out. Um, so my one cousin had reached out to me. He's like, Hey, we're going to be in Asheville on this day. And, uh, it's like, okay, we can make it to Asheville by that time. So I made, I made reservations and didn't tell my wife that my cousins were going to be there. So we got into the campground. They had seen us coming up past their campsite. We went in the campground. I'm out hooking up the camper. And uh, my cousins go around, you know, they see me first. I'm like, oh, I said, I didn't tell Sandy guys were here. So go knock on the door. And they, uh, you know, they go knock on the door and she opened up the door. And it was just, she was like, oh my God, what, you know, because they're in Florida. They live in Florida. Um, And that that again was just one of those things that was like, this is so cool. You know, like here are my cousins who live in Florida. We're on this journey and we, we meet up in Asheville, North Carolina. And we got to spend a day and a half with them. It was, it was so much fun. And then we just continued down the Blue Ridge Parkway and then came up to Tennessee and we went back to Pennsylvania for a little bit, um, before heading back down South. And in, in the meantime is when hurricane Laura came through, uh, the Louisiana area. Um, and we've, we, we were, where it hit, um, we've got some friends. As a Matter of fact, the friends that I had visited in that 2019 trip, um, lived there. So, I had reached out to them and I said, "Uh, look, we want to come down and help however we can. And and again, whether that was just kind of like a, another way to honor my mom, knowing that, you know, hurricane relief effort was a big thing that she had done. Um, So I, I knew a a pastor in Virginia that I knew was actually down there um, as the hurricane had hit. Uh, They had a team that went in, you know, to be the first boots on the ground, so to speak, after the hurricane came through. So I'd reached out to him. I'm like, Chuck, what, you know, where, how do we help? Like, who do we get a hold of, you know, how how does it work? And uh, so we went down there and he had hooked us up with a place called the Dream Center to stay, which was actually in Beaumont, Texas, not not in Lake Charles or Sulphur, Louisiana. So we would be driving through Sulphur and staying at the dream center and driving back and forth to help each day. Well, Chuck, that, because that's what Chuck had done. Now, what, um, what we didn't calculate was RV time. So, so like, if you can get somewhere in 45 minutes in the car, that's usually an hour and 15 minutes in an RV <laughs> just don't move quite as, you know, easily. Yeah. as what the car yeah. does. So, you know, we're going down I 10 and driving through, lake charles and sulfur and just looking at the devastation and i mean it looked like you know a bomb went off in these places like just houses leveled businesses leveled unbelievable destruction um but we're like driving right through it you know so <clears throat> sandy you know she's saying to me like "Why well, aren't we like aren't we volunteering you know back there like why are we like where are we going um I'm like, look, Chuck hooked us up at this place. You know, that's where we're going to be. And then we just, we keep driving and we keep driving. so she's getting more and more irritated again, kind of thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Like, this is crazy to drive, you know, an hour and 15 minutes back and forth every day. And uh, so we finally pull up and Chuck had told me that uh, the dream center, which is a faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation center now, but what it was, was an old juvenile detention center again, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, no big deal. Um, It is what it is. What he neglected to tell me that it was also part of what they call in Beaumont, Texas prison row. Um, So in addition to the dream center, which isn't a prison anymore, there are probably another, you know, three or four or five active prisons from, you know, county prisons, state prisons, federal prisons, you know, all on the same area. We're getting off the exit and there's a big sign that says don't pick up hitchhikers because they're probably escapees um, but that wasn't the exact wording but that's that was the <laughs> matter you know so like she's reading this sign she's looking at me i'm reading the sign i'm like yeah this is this is such a bad idea right now um <sighs> we, we pull in <coughs> we pull into this place and at this point like we're at each other's throats you know because <laughs> you know, the worst thing for the husband is knowing that your wife is right, that this is a terrible idea for us to stay in oh. and volunteer in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, so we get there, the pastor comes out, um, gets us to our spot and, you know, we have full hookups and and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to him um, and he's kind of telling me the story of the Dream Center and what they do. And it's really hitting home for me because um, you know one of the things that my mom did is she went back to school and became a drug and alcohol counselor. My, my sister had battled addiction her entire life and um, had finally lost a battle with uh, opioid addiction in February of 2020. Um, and my stepfather was an alcoholic as well. And that was one of the, those were the main reasons why my mom got into drug and alcohol addiction counseling. Because she said a lot of times, you know, she felt she could not help her own but maybe she could help others. You know, that was really, you know, there's a, there's a pain with my mother that she couldn't help my sister or my stepdad. Um, but she did help a lot of other people. So as Mike, the, the pastor is telling me this story of the, the dream center and what, what it's there for. And he starts talking about one of the big components of what they do at the dream center is they get the guys involved in volunteer work and in the community. So they do food drives because addiction is a very selfish disease. So to get these guys thinking about someone other than themselves is a big deal in their recovery because, you know, again, Uh when you're addicted, you're thinking of one thing, yourself, how are you gonna get money for your next fix? It doesn't matter if if you hurt someone you love, if you hurt someone you don't love, it's all about me and my next fix. So to get them into a mode of thinking about other people, like this was really hitting home for me. I'd also established that we weren't going to be able to stay at the Dream Center and drive back and forth. So I said to Mike, I said, look, I really appreciate the hospitality and the offer, but this isn't going to work for us. We're probably only going to be here for the night, and then we'll just we'll find a spot in Lake Charles. Like I said, we had some friends there, but we didn't feel right asking them because they were just you know, they didn't have power. They, you know, they were dealing with their own things. The last thing they needed is us showing up in a 33 mm-hmm. foot RV, like, Hey, you know, we're gonna hang out and help out. <laughs> so, um, so Mike's telling me this, you know, about this, I'm telling him we're only going to stay. And then he, uh, you know, he says, well, what time are you leaving in the morning? So I'm not sure, you know, we'll get up pretty early unhook, and and roll out. And he says, well, we have devotion at eight 30. Um, You know, if you leave then, just shoot me a text. You know, we won't be able to say goodbye and, you know, sorry, it didn't work out sort of thing. And then that kind of hit me a second. I'm like, wait, what's this devotion thing you're talking about? Like, can anybody, you know, show up at devotion? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay. Uh, You know, because again, by this time, I'm like, we need some devotion, you know, like, (laughs) my wife and I are at each other's throats. Like we need, you know, we need after
0: There's no escape too as well. you have to look at
1: that person for 24 hours. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll come to devotion and then then we'll, we'll leave afterwards. So uh, I I go back in the RV and she's sitting at our, at our dinette and I just looked at her. I said, they have devotion at eight 30 in the morning. We're going good night. (laughs) And I went back and laid down because I figured if the conversations go any further than that, it probably wouldn't have been good. So we, um, we get up in the morning, we go to devotion and, um, the gentleman that was delivering the devotion, Ken, it was almost as though he was speaking right to, uh, Sandy and I, as the whole talk was about teamwork and, you know, on this certain leg of the trip, we weren't working very well as a team. So, oh, the whole time though, that we're, that we're sitting there and we're listening to the message, you know, like I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if the reason we got here is because we need to spend a little bit more time here. So like, I wonder what their needs are here. And, um, as soon as the the service was over, um, you know, Sandy looked at me and she says, uh, I wonder if they need any help here before we go to Lake Charles. Um, so I'm like, I'm thinking the exact same thing. So <laughs> let's go ask Mike and Vilma if they need help here. So, uh, we went up to them and we're like, Hey, you know, we feel like we should be sticking around here for a couple days before we go, you know, back into Lake Charles, you know, what do you need help with? And they were getting ready to put together a food drive. Um, so they said, Hey, if you go over to the warehouse, the guys are putting the boxes together for Saturday. Um, you know that'll be a, you know, a good spot to, to start. So that's what we did. We went over and, and helped him put it together. And the, the reception that we got from the guys in the program was just, you know, incredible because, um, you know, them hearing our story of being willing to, to walk away and, you know, all the struggles and everything that they'd gone through to, you know, and now they're in this spot trying to get their life, you know, their life back together. Um, you know, to have somebody there that wasn't a member of their family or had no relationship to him, was willing to just, you know, give, you know, four or five days of time, however we could, meant, you know, meant a lot to them. Um, so we actually built some really good relationships with these guys. So you know, we ended up being there about four or five days. We helped with the food drive on Saturday. We went to church with them on Sunday and generally just hung out with them and just listened to their stories and talked to them. And, and again, I think that was very refreshing for them because it was just a new voice. You know, it was somebody that, you know, I mean, these guys live with each other 24/7. They, um, you know, you're with the same group of guys for months and months at a time. Just any type of fresh perspective Mm -hmm. is welcome. And, you know, we weren't doing anything earth shattering. We were simply being present for them. And to see the effect that that made on them was pretty, was pretty special. Um, so we'd left, we left there on a Monday morning and we headed back into, to Lake Charles, um, still not really known where we were going to stay, um, or where we were going to help our, our friends there had given us the contact of a church that was, that was doing some relief efforts. Um, but I'd reached out to them and hadn't heard anything yet. Um, and then, uh, you know, so we just ended up staying in a Walmart parking lot that night, and uh, you know I ended up um, calling the uh, the facility that that uh, our friend Jenny had given us to help out with, and uh, the woman that answered was like, "Oh yeah, you know we, we can use whatever help you can give. Um, here's the address to where we're at. Um, whenever you get here, we'll 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 put you to work." So um, that's what we did. We went over and uh the place we were helping at was a uh it was like a distribution center where they were gathering supplies mm-hmm. but then other churches or organizations would, would come to them to get them to take them to where they would give them to the end user so to speak um so the only people we were interacting with were other organizations coming you know for whatever you know Fifty boxes of diapers, thirty bo- cases of water, whatever the case is, and we would load them up, and they'd go on and give it to the people. Um, and then, you know, a couple of days in, we ended up helping at another spot um, where they were giving stuff to the end user. And you know, just the the people we met in that time were incredible because, again, everyone that we interacted with had lost almost everything but here they are still helping others. And it just, it was just so incredible for me to see that, that, you know, look, I have no electric yet. My, my roof has a hole, you know, big enough to drive a car through it. But here I am sorting diapers because somebody else needs help as well. And it just, it gave me faith in the human spirit, you know, that it's like, you know what? Yeah, there is a lot of bad stuff going on in the world but boy, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good people too. And we just got to find them. Um, And then even, uh, you know, our friend there had invited us over to dinner that first night. And uh, you know, we pull in and you know, she has this nice spread for us and they don't have electric. They're using a generator, but right away, she's like, you guys are staying here. Just park out there. You know, I'm sorry that you can't plug in. I'm like, Jenny, we've got a generator in the RV, like it's like we are self-sufficient. If we have a spot to park, we are good. And again, it was just seeing the the goodness of that human spirit. You know, here she is apologizing to us because she can't provide us with electric because she doesn't have electric other than other than the generator that they're using for their house and I'm like it's perfectly fine. Like we will we will get by. It'll be okay. Um, so that's what we did Then We drove back and forth from her house, uh, uh to the church where we're helping a, and, uh, it, it was just, <clears throat> it was an amazing experience. It was incredibly humble, um, humbling. And it, it really kind of set us on this path of, you know, we, when we brand, when we started out, we knew we wanted to help. We knew we wanted to volunteer at different places. We just didn't know how we were going to do it. So. After this, it just drove home the fact that, yeah, we're we're going to, you know, volunteerism is going to be part of this journey. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> a couple months later, we came across an organization called A Year to Volunteer, which is a uh, an RV-centric volunteer group where they will organize a project at a state park or a nonprofit organization or something like that. And, uh, you know you know, usually bring in about ten RVs. So about 30 to 32 people are helping with any given project. And the projects usually last, again, about two two weeks. And uh, it can be anywhere from, you know, rebuilding um, fences to just painting stuff to whatever odd job that yeah. they did have to do, you know, whether it's landscaping or, or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so the first project we ever helped them with was a raptor sanctuary in Antigo, Wisconsin. And, uh, the minute we m- met the woman that, that runs that organization, Marge Gibson, we immediately had a, an incredible connection with her. And I think part of it was I was a founder of a nonprofit organization that had a very, you know, skeleton crew and skeleton budget and she was the founder of a nonprofit organization that had a very skeleton crew and a skeleton budget. So we immediately connected. Plus the first day I met her, she gave me cheese curds. Um, so that she won my heart over right there with cheese curds right out of the gate. Um, but then there was all this other really incredible stuff about her. So um, you know, we immediately just connected and <clears throat> connected with the other volunteers, you know that this was just an incredibly special group of people who would give two weeks of their lives to just come in people that we didn't know, you know, I mean, granted we got to know them and we were able to build those, uh, relationships, but going in, we didn't know, you know, how great of a person Marge Gibson was. We had no idea. We didn't know how great her staff would be. We were just going in there to help. And, uh, since that time we've, we've helped on parts of, uh, about five projects with, with a year to volunteer. Uh, We had an opportunity to go back to to Lake Charles, Louisiana and help with a state park down there that hadn't been open since the hurricane. So, I mean, this park had been closed for almost two years um, just because, again, they didn't have the manpower. They didn't have the funding to get this thing back up and running. And again, we're there and uh, there are several different community organizations and church groups that came in and fed the group while we were there, which generally isn't part of you know, it's usually we come in like we're self-sufficient and you know, mm-hmm. that's it. And, you know, that community embraced us so much, you know, and was so welcoming, you know, cause a lot of times, again, this is going on a year and a half after the hurricanes, yeah. it's out of the news cycle. Most people in the country think that, well, that happened to Lake Charles, you know, a year and a half yeah. ago, they're good. Yeah. It's yeah. Far, far from that. So, um, you know, the fact that we were there, just this community embraced us. And every time, you know, they did a meal with us, like just seeing the gratitude and the appreciation in their eyes and voices. I mean, there was always like an introduction and and kind of a thank you um, prior to, you know, the meal. And every time it ended up, you know, ended in tears, you know, tears of gratitude. Um, You know, so again, to see that you know, how appreciative these people were, um, for us to come in there and, and you know, give a couple weeks of our time. Um, it, it just, you know, it's just so fulfilling. And, and again, I mean, anytime that I'm really feeling, um, you know, down or kind of like questioning my purpose, you know, why am I here? It's strange that I've found what ends up lifting me up the most is to go help someone else. You know, like if I'm in a deep depression or something, to get out of it is to help someone else, and and, and so I'll never understand it. But it, yeah, it's- I, I, I sorry to interrupt you. I know no, your your story is so so fascinating. It's so heartwarming
0: and so ah, uh, it, it's so uplifting. And there's a hundred and different one questions I could I could ask you. But just before I let you go on, I just wanted to say um there is something about that you know that when you are in the not quite the depths of depression but in a kind of low spot and you're questioning everything that you're doing even with that we were talking about this beforehand you know with the media and stuff that we're doing and sometimes you begin to wonder you know what's the point of all this why am I even doing this something seems to happen someone is put in your path an opportunity arises for you to be of service to you to be of help and when you go there and do whatever you think or you do what you what you can do and you may think at the time it really wasn't a big deal but to see the impact that that has had to have someone appreciate that to someone thank you from the bottom of your heart it's it, it just lifts you doesn't it just lifts you complete out of that and it gives you a new lease of life and it's strange it happens every time we are questioning this we're beginning to doubt yourself is that the opportunity arises for you to be of service or someone or something is put into your
1: path. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, anyone who doesn't (laughs) believe that there is a higher spirit, that there is a God that is, you know, like, cause the timing of that is more than coincidence. Like it is more than coincidence because it happens over and over and over where again, you get that random email that random text message from someone saying, Hey, you know, thanks for what you did here. Thanks. You know, I love that topic on this podcast, you know, what you wrote in that blog really spoke to me. And again, they come at the absolute perfect minute, like literally to the minute, you know? Um, So it's incredible. It's incredible. And it definitely speaks to the fact that, there is something so much bigger than us that's you know that's helping make this world spin yeah
0: and it's exactly <laughs> that type of voice that you heard because i've heard it myself a number of occasions and i know that when you ignore it it's generally not for the best <laughs> that i think that i know better why no that doesn't make sense to me why would i do something like that why would i want to do that no that doesn't make sense because i'm thinking on a physical level i can't see the 10 moves down the road, you know, that they can see, whatever you want to call them, um, whenever I ignore that, it's generally to my detriment. You know, yeah. Okay, well, you, you were right, you know, grudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were grudgingly. So I, I do believe that you, you've been called to this path to be of service, even greater. And it's strange because there's times where we go to ourselves, how can I be? of more have I not given enough have I not changed enough have I not developed enough and you find that there's even greater levels um of awareness of 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 understanding yourself um because when you do something like you're doing it it's not only about helping others but you begin to understand yourself in deeper and deeper ways that you didn't understand before you begin to realize and uncover facets of yourself that you didn't even know existed before so it's this symbolic relationship of well, you help other people you help yourself but there's definitely areas is there where you say you spent 30 years in that non-profit giving 70 80 hours more of a week and go to yourself there's nothing more that i can give only to find yourself to, to find have a greater heights a greater a greater purpose Um, so definitely, I definitely do believe that you've been guided along this path. And that, that voice that you heard was, which became more substantial, was definitely calling to you. this. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the other things that's been so incredible in this journey is, um, you know, there, there there've been a lot of times, you know, that the youth sports, you know, unfortunately in the U S here, it is now an industry, um, it can be very unforgiving. You know, most of the time, you know, emails that you're getting from parents are generally not flattering. They're generally complaining about something you did. Um, but again, you know that what you're doing for the kids is again yeah. bigger than that. And there's almost a point. You know, because there are many times over that 30 years where just like we're saying, you know, we I questioned, you know, why am I doing this? Um, and, and again, just like you said, you know, haven't I done enough? Like, I mean, do you know, and then again, you get that email from a parent or player who says something. And that's one of the things that in this journey has been so rewarding is that Sandy and I have been able to reconnect with many of my players, many of my old players um, that are scattered across the country. Um, and we've been able to sit down and, you know, spend time with them and, you know, have, you know, breakfast or lunch or dinner, or just hang out with them. And it's almost as if Um, you know, with all of those kids and again, they're now in their thirties and some of them are pushing 40, I'm always going to call them kids. Um, but it's almost as though, you know, God is saying like, you know, look, um, this is the work, like, this is the fruit of those 30 years. This is what you're doing. Yep. And now, now it's time, you know, you're still planting seeds you're planting different seeds now and they will bloom just like these seeds bloomed for the past 30 years. And it's been so incredible. I mean, I I had a, I thought I was going to be late um, for this, this call because I had a phone call from one of my players um, right before we got on um, where uh, he had just received a, a promotion. He's in not a promotion. He changed jobs. He's now an assistant general manager with the Houston Astros. And somehow like this happened back in December and I had missed it. And I just happened to come across. And I, so I'd reached out to him yesterday and, uh, you know, I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't call you and congratulate you earlier, you know, like, give me a call. And he he had called me and was like, look, don't, don't worry about any of that. Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, you got a lot of people you got to keep up with. (laughs) There've been a lot, a lot more players than just me that came through, but I'm like, uh, and again, that just, you know, it it turned into just such a wonderful conversation to see, you know, how well he's doing. And, um, you know, it it just adds another stop down the road that, you know, now we definitely got to get back to Houston and, and spend some time with him and his fiance. And um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's incredible that that's been um, so wonderful to be able to, to see that. And again, as now, as you connect the dots going backwards, you know, cause again, yeah. you, you can't, you can't look in the future and say, okay, okay, God, I see how you're going to do this here, here and here, but looking back, you can. You know, and again, that's kind of where the begrudgingly like, oh, okay, I see how this was connected to this was connected to yeah, this. Yeah, you're okay. right. Yeah, it's like, can't you just show me that in advance? Like, yeah. can you give me the no, I know, know full the full roadmap? Why do you have to show me one step at a time? You know, it's like you're going up that staircase and you only see the next step. You know, yeah, you're or getting the
0: next scene to a play or a movie. Well, here's yeah. your line, but where does this
1: character go? right right where does it go but that's just not the way life works it's no. just not the way he works so you got to have no. that faith that okay i'll take well, that, this step yeah what's the next you know you'll tell me the next step yeah you it's,
0: it's amazing that you've had that faith because i i wonder and as I, we were just talking about there a lot of times uh we get that guidance and you know to like i was saying there we, we ignore it first of all because we don't understand it and i just um wonder how many people have had that guidance but have not um ha- have not um what's the right words I'm looking for, have not, you know, respected that guidance, not um taken it seriously like you did, then were other lives now, you know, how how much more differently could your life had have been if you had not have had that ultimate faith? in in this higher power and it's hard because you can only see the physical aspect of it and I guess this is the nature of faith is that we have to take things in faith but we get caught up in this world in front of us and we can't touch it or see it or smell it we we tend to doubt it and to to have that faith to go I'm going to completely change my life here I'm going to do something which not many people do at, at, at this um Kind of winding down stage of my career and it's going to have this massive impact on my life and i have no idea especially the circumstances at the start of covid and you know all on this kind of whim am i crazy am i nuts you know is there something wrong with me to have that faith and go okay well i i i have it i I do believe that there's something in this to see your life the way it is now, and as you say, to look back along all these steps and to see how everything has been laid down for you, but not recognize it. It, it just must be incredible and how thankful, I guess, that you are. of it. And, uh, I imagine that you'd be the type of person that would still wake up in appreciation every day and, you know, tap, tap not every day, but tap yourself and go, what an amazing life, what an amazing journey we're on and just to have that gratitude for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is. I I literally do every every single day I wake up and I'm just like, you know, thank you lord for another day. And um yeah, it, it's I think, you know, I'm sure not everyone listens, but I think the the beauty of life and, you know, the the beauty of our creator is that he doesn't give up on us so like even when you know he tells us to do this and we don't listen like we can always get back on that path you know we can always get back on that path and i think that's what is so incredible about you know just life in general is that we always have an opportunity to write our path so to speak um and I, i mean i'm just i'm grateful that i listened um, you know, because again, looking back and seeing the things that we've been able to do, the, the people we've been able to meet, um, those those opportunities with my my former players, um, it's it's just incredible, and I can't imagine, you know, had we not listened, and what it would have been like, you know, and and even now, um, you know, we're we're back in Pennsylvania right now. Um, we got here just before Mother's Day in early May and uh, my my wife's sister, my sister-in-law was uh, was battling cancer. And we um, we knew that this would probably be our last summer with her. Um, We had no idea that it was going to go as quickly as what it did. Um, We ended up, you know, being with her the last 19 days of her life. Um, But by the same token, like, Even that was about as perfect as it could be, you know, given everything else. Um, Again, we got here, you know, we talked to her quite a bit. She always kind of, you know, brushed off how bad things were. Um, You know, then when we got here, having the lifestyle that we have, we were able to shift. You know, like right now, our normal plan was to be out in Colorado right now immediately after we got here, we realized that we couldn't do that. We had to stay here. Our our nephew was going to be moving back in September, but there were a way we could leave, you know, Cheryl by herself, um, you know, just seeing how she was digressing on a daily basis. So we immediately were able to shift and say, okay, we're going to be here until Labor Day weekend. And, uh, you know, as it turned out then, um, you know, when she did pass away, um we again were able to just stay on course and understand that we were you know we were needed here and we're still needed here um you know cuz now it's just a matter of us you know helping our niece and nephew you know yeah. stay here stay here at the house until he can move back um you know so that it so someone's here someone's you know checking on things water and plants my wife's doing most of the watering plants i got to tell you um, you know, bringing in the mail, just little stuff to kind of put our niece and nephew at ease until, you know, he gets married yeah. here and, and is well, able to That
0: probably would not have happened unless you were in the position that you are now. Right. And it's just amazing to see how these synchronicities and these things, you know, if we had not have been taking this lifestyle, this course in life, things would have been much different for Sandy's sister as well, and you would not have been able to commit to doing what you're doing. Proud of
1: them? Yeah, yeah, because even I mean, we only lived, you know, 40 minutes from here. But if I was still, you know, working for the organization, uh, if Sandy was still working, we wouldn't have had that time to to you know be with her literally twenty four seven. Um, you know, so again, as you look and kind of you know piece it together, it it makes sense. And uh you know, it's almost as though, you know, we were all in the hospital room when she had passed, uh, meaning my myself and Sandy and then, um, you know, our niece and nephew, Cheryl's son and daughter, and then Cheryl's grandson was there um, as well as our one son. And again, knowing how much pain she was in at the end, um, it, it was almost as much of a. I don't know if relief is the right word, but, you know, knowing that she was no longer in that pain and, and knowing it was, yeah. you know, Cheryl had a way of always thinking about everyone else. And like, we were all literally just getting ready to leave the hospital room. Um, her daughter had made the determination that she was going to stay in the room, um, <clears throat> for the night. And, uh, it was almost as though Cheryl was like, uh, we had to wait for her grandson to get there because, um, Her daughter lives in Staten Island, so she had a friend bring her son, you know, midway to the hospital um, and met him there and then brought him back. So, um, you know, it's so weird the way it happened, um, but yet so perfect because it was like she was waiting for, for Julie and her grandson to get there. She didn't want to inconvenience Rebecca to have to stay there for the night So as the rest of us were ready to leave, she was like, you know what, this is the time to go home. And uh, as tough as it was, it was still, still, again, as perfect as it could be in in that moment, you know, Um, which again, you know, anyone who struggles with understanding if there's a, a God or a higher being or, you know, something else out there, those are the moments when it becomes so evident that we're, we're not in this alone, you know? So, um, you know, and again, if we weren't in this lifestyle, we wouldn't have been there. We, we wouldn't have been able to be here and spend that time. Um, Cause I know, you know, um, for Sandy, those, those 19 days were gold for her. I mean, they were, they were literally to, to be able to spend that time with her, you know, with her big sister. Yeah. She she didn't no, see spinal. her for nine for nine months previous to that I think as well so it was yeah correct yeah yeah we were we were we were out on the road for nine months and like I said we talked a lot but it, there's a big difference between talking on the phone and you yeah. know and being there in person so it, it was really special for her to be able to um you know be with her that that entire time and, and it was somewhat of a, a reversal of roles a little bit because you know. Sandy and Cheryl were eight and a half years apart, so it was always kind of, um, you know, yeah. Cheryl taking care of Sandy when they were younger, and now, you know, Sandy was kind of taking yeah. care of, care of Cheryl in those, yeah. you know, those end, end days. So it was, um, again, it, it, it was special, as special as that can be, um, can in its in its um, own right, yeah.
0: a very personal time as well. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah
1: um yeah absolutely
0: beautiful thank you so much for sharing that Dan. I really do appreciate that um just to change the tack a little bit because obviously that was a very personal and you know heart affirming story but I'm just kind of wondering about um you were mentioning about your schedule and how you know this has allowed you to do this here but I'm kind of wondering you know do you how you decide to to where to go how do you schedule out your journey do you go well or are here now it would be nice to to visit here or do do you have a, an itinerary where we're going to hit here we're going to hit here based on you know the location or is it based upon um the volunteering that you want to do is, is there places that you look up and ring up and go well have you got anything in the line of volunteering is there anything I, I can help with and do you plan your itinerary that way and how far ahead do you plan your itinerary
1: So it it varies quite a bit, um, which, again, is nice to be able to have that, you know, that type of flexibility in it. Um, But a lot of it does revolve around, um, you know, what we're going to do volunteer wise. So when when we leave here on uh, Labor Day, we'll head out to Wisconsin and we're going to um, that raptor sanctuary that we had volunteered at last year. We're going back there for another project Um, and then, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, so we've kind of planned, you know, we know when we've got to get there. Um, So we've kind of planned out where we'll stop on our way up there. You know, we want to go up through the the upper peninsula of Michigan and we'll come back the same way and we'll uh, we'll come back to, um, we'll actually go to New Jersey uh for a little bit. Um I'm hiking in an event there um called the Mammoth March, uh which is a 20 mile hike. Yeah, there's nothing Um, about that. Yeah, so we'll uh we'll do we'll do that and then we'll actually come back down here to Pennsylvania for a little bit. We and here's where we don't really know if we'll come back for a week or two weeks or three weeks. Um we'll be out of here before it starts to get too cold. I can assure you of that. (laughs) Um And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll head to Florida for, you know, probably the majority of the the winter. Um, but beyond that, it's it's really, you know, nothing is in place. Um, you know, so we'll we'll volunteer. Um, you know, most of what we do is through a year to volunteer. So we'll kind of look at what projects they have and and what we can help out with. Uh, we also help volunteer with a, a friend of ours runs a nonprofit organization called. Um, children's alopecia project um, and alopecia for your listeners if they don't know is an autoimmune system autoimmune disease that um, compromises your hair follicles so um, he had a daughter who started losing her hair when she was five or six years old and so he started this organization because there's really no support organizations out there for parents and kids going through this and you know for a lot of people they think Oh, what's the big deal? Hair loss? Well, for a five or six-year-old little girl, that's that is a big deal, you know. And and even for a five or six little boy, that that's a big deal because immediately people think that you have cancer, you know. So they're like, oh, you know. Yeah. It's even really kind of,
0: yeah. Even the kind of teasing, you know, that goes on in school, unfortunately, and children don't mean anything bad, but they don't know any better. So right. very very difficult to I can imagine.
1: Yeah, so we'll we'll volunteer. He he puts camps together at uh, various locations across the country, um, and we've been able to volunteer with one of his camps so far. And we'll, we definitely want to volunteer with others. Don, um, are these links on your website, or are there
0: something that I could include along with your media, your social
1: media? Um, I I mean, within blogs, there's the links to a lot of these organizations. But I'll I'll get you a list of them to make it a lot easier yeah, for you to. Dig into to each one, um, yeah. So yeah, so we've we've been able to volunteer with uh, with some of his camps, and you know, again, the people you meet, um, you know, they're just so grateful, and you know, to see these kids be allowed to, you know, be around other kids like them, where it doesn't matter if they're bald, it doesn't matter, you know, no one's there making fun of them whatsoever. Okay. You know, the, the parents are in a safe spot. Um, it's just, it's again, it's incredibly heartwarming to you know, to be in that atmosphere, and we've been able to, you know, stay connected with some of the people we've met there as well. Um, so, you know, so back to the question as far as planning, I mean, it, it does vary, but a lot of it will revolve around what we're going to do um, volunteer-wise. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you
1: know, as far as where we're where we're at, and then we'll kind of put the pieces together when we know, okay, on these dates we'll be in this part of the country. How, how will we get there and then and we'll put that put that together <clears throat> yeah
0: I guess the other thing that I wanted to ask and I hope this isn't a personal question but it, it's just of interest to me personally I'm sure anyone who is wondering about you know this type of lifestyle would potentially wonder about it and um, obviously you've sold the house i um, assuming a large part of the profit has been done to buying the RV so you would have had some sort of money but I guess you know, because those things aren't aren't cheap to run, those RVs, um, and for the amount of miles that you do back and forth, and food and stuff like that, I'm just wondering, you know, if you can perhaps speak to that a bit. How would someone go about, it or how do you support yourselves? You know, especially with with volunteering and stuff like that.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to say for anybody that's like thinking of this like don't get overwhelmed by that because at the end of the day, it is still, even with the way fuel has escalated recently, um, at the end of the day, it's still cheaper than owning a house. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, for us, um, Sandy was able to, uh, to retire. um, So we do have some income from that, but then outside of that, it really comes down for me is you know, my book sales, um, you know, what, what I do with um, speaking engagements, which will be another you know, part of how we plan our, our right. route is how, how that comes into play. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what I'm able to do with consulting um, which again is all, you know, still being built up because again, as COVID, uh, I had a lot of uh, consulting in the youth sports industry Um, lined up as we were getting ready to, Mm -hmm. to do this. And when COVID hit, everything stopped. So, you know, it was, it was again, a leap of faith to kind of (laughs) continue to do this because everything that we thought was going to be there to generate revenue, literally disappeared, you know, literally disappeared overnight, um, still, still building up the consulting side of, of that. but also, you know, again, it's a constant test of, you know, patience and and faith to really understand that, you know, look, it's it's going to come come together. Um, you know, would have been great, you know, so to speak, had it all stayed on course the way it was lined up, you know, because it would have, you know, kind of hit the ground running. Um, but, you know, for people who don't necessarily necessarily have that. Sort of stuff lined up. I mean, there is so much remote work available today that you know it is very easy to live this lifestyle. Um, You know, we I did a podcast uh, probably a little over a year ago, maybe not quite a year ago, uh, with a young couple fresh out of college that has you know almost the exact same RV as us. That was one of the things which kind of made me connect with some you know on social initially. Um, but they both work, you know, like a regular kind of nine to five job during the week, Monday through Friday, but they're both remote. So they'll they'll make sure they got a you know, they're in a campground that can get good, you know, Wi-Fi signal and that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, from Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends is when they'll go, you know, to their next, you know, so they'll travel, you know, leaving on a Friday and heading out on, you know, Sunday, month Saturday, Sunday. Um which again, just shows you that it can be done. Like it can be done. And I really enjoyed doing the podcast with them because it was so cool to see someone, you know, that young to be able to have the guts to, you know, again, jump out and do this, you know, not, you know, worry about, what everyone else might might think. Yeah, so go, well, we, we have
0: to be part of the system. We have yeah. to get a job. We have to settle down. We have to try and get on the property ladder. All these things that we're told we have to do, otherwise, you know, we're, we're never going to accomplish anything, or we we can't. Uh, there is no other way, I guess. Right. You know, like that has been drummed into us um, since potentially birth. You know.
1: Yeah. Maybe a bit
0: different for you because I know that the way your mom supported herself, but she would have got all jobs and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's another uh, opportunity out there for people that are traveling full time is uh, what they call work camping. So, you know, a lot of times there's, you know, whether it's a campsite or maybe even uh, an amusement park or or, you know, a farm who knows what it might be, where they're willing to um, you know let you come in and, and stay for free in exchange for working a couple hours and you know a lot of them will even you know pay you in addition to you know having the free hookups so um that's something that we uh standing not done yet but it's something that we absolutely want to do um more so for the experience than anything else mm-hmm. you know to be able to and i think that's one of the things that you know if we look at a livelihood differently than what we're told, you know. Again, we're told, do this, stay in this career for however long. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if we just look, making a livelihood differently, um, you know, because what what do we need? You know, what uh, we need to provide. You know, we need to be able to eat, um, put fuel in our, you know, in our case, our RV, um, you know, and have have a little bit of extra spending money. But other than that, what else do we, Mm -hmm. you know, really, really need? So if you can, if you can make a living by kind of bouncing around nomadically to, you know, again, odd job to odd work, work camping gig to work camping gig, um, and you're able to provide, but then you're also collecting all of these incredible experiences along the way. Like, isn't that how we should actually be living anyway? Like I often talk about, I think the Native American Indians really had this figured out to live this nomadic lifestyle and just, you know, for them, they, again, followed the weather and followed the food for the the (laughs) most part. And I think they had it figured out much more than, you know, than what we do nowadays of like, hey, stay in one spot, you know, build this big, you know, nest egg that, maybe you'll get to enjoy it. Maybe you won't, who knows? Um, You know, so many of our friends since we've started this have, you know, we've lost and they all had plans, you know, they all had a bucket list, but they never got to it. So, you know, I think if we start, you know, reevaluating what we're looking at and how we live and live more for experiences than for, material. I mean, when we exactly. sold all our stuff, a lot of people ask, you know, well, how tough was it to sell all your stuff? And honestly, it was not that difficult for us. Um, there were so many times her and I would have a conversation saying, how did we get all of this crap? You know, like, <laughs> where did it come from and why did we have it? Like stuff that we hadn't used, seen or touched in years. And it's just there, just sitting there collecting right. dust and, you know i think if we just start to reevaluate that thought process of you know what are we here for because i mean the people we've met um those those experiences have been priceless i mean just this coming monday <clears throat> um you know other full-time nomads of ours are going to be in the area here of pennsylvania and you know we arrange we're going to have breakfast with them on monday and like that is just so cool you know i mean they're originally from alabama um they're retired nasa engineers both of them and you know like how cool is it that we happen to be you know here in our old hometown of pennsylvania and they're passing through and we can just get together and have breakfast and spend time together like that is just so priceless you know so priceless yeah it's absolutely amazing and i think that um
0: I think that more and more people are beginning to see the better. More and more people are definitely, especially because of the lockdowns, it has given people an opportunity to reflect on life. People yeah. have realized that I do not want to return to that environment where I first thing that I have to do is get up to my alarm clock and get ready with all of that ritual and go to a, a workplace which I'm not particularly happy to and spend the best part of my day working for someone else, giving someone else my labor, which is crazy when we think about it. I have to give my physical labor to earn a small amount of money to survive. You work that hard, you return home. Some people spend an hour, an hour and a half in in traffic. You return home after a busy day, you've still got work to do because of our hectic lifestyle. You have emails to sort out, appointments to make, if you have kids, homework and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, maybe to see to your parents or elderly parents a whole range of stuff you have housework to do on top of that then after you attend to all that maybe you're ready to sit down and have a bit of a meal and watch nonsense on the tv because you're too mentally tired to take anything in of uh seriousness of you know to really challenge your, your mindset then what you do is you go to bed sleep and you repeat that ritual and i think that a lot of people have realized now that they're not happy with that. They are looking for an alternative lifestyle. They're looking for a way to do things better. And by and large, I think that remote working has worked for a lot of people, but it's just a small step in the right direction. I think when you go onto YouTube especially, you'll see people who are living that kind of semi-nomadic or have embraced that kind of nomadic lifestyle where they've got an RV or a camper van. I've mentioned my experience there to you. We're, we're living kind of four, nearly four weeks and thing. And my experience was very different to me because unfortunately it was kind of thrust upon me. And, you know, I'm leading a completely different lifestyle to the lifestyle that I did before that. And I don't have all of that stuff in my life that I had before. But I began to realise exactly, as you said, the only things that I've lost were stuff that were transient anyway. I don't miss the lifestyle. I don't miss the job that I was so... Um, unhappy with I was looking for a way out I don't miss any of the material crap that I built up in my life I was afraid to throw it out and I don't miss any of the uh, it may sound bad but the, the the potential people that I interacted with because they weren't the people who um that I like to talk to that I could really open up with so it certainly opened my eyes to a different way of life and although I would love to do what I'm doing here like yourself my own wife isn't sold on it yet But the point of the matter is there are people who are doing it. There are people who are looking for a different way of life. Um, And I want to move on to the stuff that you do, your blog and stuff. But just before I kind of do that, another one of my guests um, that I have arranged to get on the show who I've met outside of this thing that we're in, um, another one of these people like you talk about bringing bringing the uh, small people, the voices to, you know, um, to, to awareness, um, are people that I met through a, a different app um, and are really lovely, interesting people who uh, I only found out recently um, because we tried to do our interview, but the connection wasn't great. And I said, Is that a houseboat you're on? Yeah, is that your house? Wow, wow, amazing. Yes, they're uh, another uh, couple who are potentially around the same age group as yourself who um, I only found out through i met through this um is they have undertaken this cycling journey from um one point of england to the other point of england cycling the whole way um with no shelter uh, with no hospitality except that which is offered to them by strangers that they meet and i think i haven't got the full story but i think that sometimes they ended up sleeping in bus shelters because they didn't meet anyone they they, they were lucky enough to meet people who put them up for the night who who give them uh, places to watch um, and who fed them and stuff but they're doing that for to raise awareness for for mental health because I think that um the lady's husband Brad Judy and uh, Brad he has a bit of a, a mental condition but there there are people too who are outside of the system who you know who, who who thrive on that and who are doing the same sort of thing as yourself a bit in a different way um, so there, there definitely are more and more people who are looking to change their lifestyle, who are looking to do what what you can do, and it's such an inspiration to to hear from you and talk to you, to to, to listen to the people that you um, that you've encountered and you're giving a voice to, and you're doing that through your own media because you're also a blogger and you're also a podcast host. And I would like to ask, how and where your 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 idea to run a blog came about, and then, I'm assuming afterwards, your podcast came about?
1: So, um, writing, like, I've always been a writer. Um, From a very young age, uh, I just enjoyed writing. It was therapeutic for me. Um, I'm, you know, surprisingly, you know, people don't believe this at first, because I can sit down and have, you know, a very intimate conversation with you that the world is then going to listen to. Um, But I'm very introverted by nature. Um, So, right. And and I think a lot of that is comes back to what you just said is like, I have to know and feel that connection with someone before I open up. So like, when we're in a social networking gathering or stuff, like I'm the guy in the corner of the room because most of those people I'm not going to connect with. Yeah, But then, then when I get in a room with someone that I connect with, and I actually did a blog about this called, uh, I think it was titled my kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> like when you feel that connection, like, you know, man, we can just, we can just talk, yeah. we can talk for a long time at that point. Um, so writing for me was always a way to communicate where I didn't have to necessarily have that, that conversation. Um, so, again, even at a very young age, I, I would write. Um, and I, I remember um, my brother, my older brother, my only brother, is nine years older than me. Um, so, when I was a kid, he played on an adult soccer team in Florida. And I started writing a newsletter about the team for, for, for them. And so I was, you know, probably 11, 12 years old at the time and uh you know i would write you know highlights of their game the week before you know have the league standings i would would do all the stuff just on notebook paper you know just one sheet of notebook paper front and back and you know all the players and their wives and girlfriends would would read this little melbourne united post is what we called it and you know again kind of seeing them like you know inter interact with each other and interact with me and you know point things out in it 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 was just very fulfilling for me and so i always always wrote um and uh you know so when we started this journey i I wanted to write i wanted to be able to blog um and i wanted to write more books um but i think part of that is also inspired by you know after my mom passed away um, we had an opportunity to look at her journals and read through her journals and talk about, you know, the people she had, she had met and places she'd been. And, you know, that's when it was like, man, you know, how cool would have it been for mom to be able to do this in in real time with social media that we have today? So that's why I wanted to blog was to kind of share, you know, share those stories in real time of, you know, of this journey. And the podcasting came about Um, I had done podcasting actually starting back in 2012 for our organization. And with that, it was really more about connecting with our sponsors and bringing some of our alumni on and just, you know, talking about events we had coming up and that sort of thing. Um, But I really enjoyed it. Like I really, really enjoyed it. So um, the process for me was really just going into a studio and having a conversation. So I had no idea like what happened behind the scenes. We had a producer that, you know, put it out on the internet and recorded it and did all that sort of stuff. So literally all I did was sit and talk. So as we knew we were going to embark on this journey, um, I had a conversation with our, our producer Tony and another friend of mine who does a <clears throat> pretty successful um podcast. And I was like, you know, I want to do this. I just, you know, like, how does it get out there? You know, so they showed me the, you know, the back end of it, so to speak, that I could do it on my own. And, you know, it really was, again, about meeting those people along the way and telling, telling their stories. And that's why the subtitle of the podcast is many little people in many little places, you know, so it's the journey of my mother's son, many little people in many little places, um, which comes from the, the opening lyrics of a Michael Fronte song which go when many little people in many little places do many little things and the whole changes. Um, and I just that those lyrics just really resonated with me from, you know, literally the first time I ever heard that song, because it's so true, like there's so many of us, you know, so many of these, you know, little people out there doing these little things that might seem insignificant but yet are so incredibly powerful. And I wanted to give, you know, those many little people a voice and a platform to tell those stories because I think we all have a story and I think they can all be incredibly inspirational. So you know I always ask all my guests, you know, the same final question at the end, um, you know, from the, you know, drawn from those lyrics is, you know, like what's one of the little things you do? to make the world a better place. And like the vast variety of answers I've gotten has been so cool. Like for my hundred and first episode, I did kind of a, a mix of some of the answers that I'd gotten to that question and it was really cool, but probably the most common answer that I've gotten is smile, like smile, smile and wave, just something, you know, be kind. Um, but again, it's, you know, it sounds so small, but just that little gesture of, you know, walking in store and holding the door for someone and smiling at them, like you have no idea what they might be going through in that moment. And just that little gesture of kindness, holding the door open for them and smiling, you know, letting them go ahead of you in line. Um, it, it's so powerful and, and such a small thing
0: yeah it's absolutely amazing and I think that's the, the problem with a lot of this stuff because I talk about well obviously for me I talk about spirituality and stuff like that and I think that I always try and simplify it by turning around and saying like this thing that we're doing in life is not complicated it's the simplest things in life it's about um, you know, if, if you wanna grow in, into a spiritual person, you gotta do the work on yourself, that's all it is. Change yourself, yeah. think positively, smile. You know, it's the simplest things in life that are the most impactful. We overlook them because we say to ourselves, it couldn't be that easy, it couldn't be that easy. And so we as people complicate it, we look for massive ways in which we can be of service. We look for great deeds to accomplish in the world. But yet all we need to do is smile. All we need to do is be respectful. All we need to do is, as you say, let someone go online, hold the door open for them, press the button so they can go across the street, and um, ask someone are they okay. Just those smallest, tiniest things can be so so impactful. And I I really love that um that on your blog that you you have these um these really insightful comments. I was reading one of them which was about the the finding a growth community and I I just find this to be so inspiring let me just read it back to you it says as human beings we never stop growing it's totally up to us if that growth is a positive growth or negative growth whether we like it or not we are constantly in a state of change we're living breathing organisms that are in a constant flux we can choose to fertilize that growth with positive energy stagnated with negative energy either way it's our choice and no one else's there's so much energy in the world today that we have to be very deliberate doing what we surround ourselves with the journey for sandy and i is about so much more about traveling around in the rv and seeing new things and meeting new people sure that's all part of it but it's so much deeper than that it's about freedom it's about liberation it's about a spiritual awakening. It's also about leaving a toxic atmosphere. All of those things and more are what led us to embarking on this journey. And we made a deliberate choice to leave a toxic atmosphere and surround ourselves with like-minded, positive energy people who feed our souls and help them to grow and nurture. And that was so inspirational to hear that. And it is so, so utterly true. And it's those insights into, um, in, into what changes the world, which really make um, an impact. It's not, okay, we would sit here and talk about now how we're doing this podcast and it's all very great, but we don't have to do that. Anyone who's looking to change the world, it's just about small things like that. It's about changing your positive mindset. We can change to be a part of what the media tells us, which is a crazy, ignorant, uh, savage, negative world out there or we can choose to open our window. We can choose to walk out into our community and go, well, where is all this negativity? Because I don't see it. And even if there is, I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm going to change my mindset. I'm going to react in a positive manner. I'm going to, um, like the small things that we were talking about there, do small things that are impactful. So I, I think that you know those insights that you have in your blog and your blog pieces are so important. Um, and obviously the the inspirational work that you do by giving those voices to to people those, those small small voices that deserve to be to be heard um is so impactful too and we were talking about that before the interview about so many people that we encounter um that we wouldn't think twice about in the street until we get into a conversation and we begin to find out what they're doing and you find it so impactful so um so life-changing and so life-affirming that you just turned around and said, well, I have a platform. Let me, you know, try to, to give you a voice to let other people know.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I'll tell you, you know, hearing you read what I wrote (laughs) was, uh, it it, it was actually probably even more powerful than when I wrote it, because I think it, it was again, one of those, you know, something just reaffirming that you know it clearly made an impact on you um so to to hear it you know my words through your voice it was it was very powerful it was you know again probably more powerful than than when i wrote it and again is one of those things that like you know just wow i
0: I wrote that and somebody else is reading it back to me and saying it in such a clear concise manner I'm I'm completely impacted by my own words I know exactly what you're saying it's it's exactly what you said to me when you when you said you listened to that little kind of interlude where i was saying about the way I want to have the podcast which was so impactful for me at the time we, we we don't see the value I think we don't see the value of our own words or the impact that we're doing we're thinking we're just recording something and we were kind of talking about this too Sometimes we put our heart and soul into things and it doesn't get the reception that we think it deserves. And um, We forget about it and sometimes then we begin to lose hope and we begin to lose faith. And then someone comes along and says, Do you John, that thing that you recorded there it meant so much to me. In those moments there where you said to me the way that you spoke my words back to me was so impactful for me. So we can tend to overlook the value of our own contributions. So I'm really glad that that has made an impact for you because it really did make an impact for you. And I'm so so glad to be able to read your own words back to you because it it really is. It's a powerful, powerful statement. It's so, so insightful.
1: It really is. Yeah, I thank you for that. I definitely do. No,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So who would you say um, or can you give us a couple of just insightful people because we were talking about before the show? went live about some of the people that I had you know, encountered who I felt that I wanted to get into the public. And I've obviously I've looked on your blog and listened to some of the interviews and seen some of the people, but could you just maybe give us a few that you definitely just were so inspired by?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough to narrow it down. So like, this is in no particular order. <laughs> and I actually, my, my next book is actually about, you know, it'll be the subtitle be Many Little People. Um, you know, because that, you know, this first book was a, you know, volume one of a series. So it'll be, you know, Many Random Thoughts from the Road, which is the one that's out now. Many Little People is the one that I'm working on now. So it's interesting that you asked that question. And then Many Little Places will be volume three, which will talk about, you know, some of the just, incredibly beautiful places we've been to. And then the fourth volume is, uh, just many little pictures, which would kind of be like a coffee table photo book of, again, just being able to show people some of the beauty that we've been able to see through our lens. I know, uh, not to delay the answer to the question, but when my mom passed away, um, she was giving right up until her death because, um, she ended up donating the corneas of her eyes and, uh, my aunt said it as well as anyone could have said it when, you know, when we heard, you know, that that was one of the parts that that she would be able to donate is that uh, she said, well, I sure hope that whoever gets those gets to see the same beauty that your mom saw. So, um, So that's part of the reason behind the, the many little pictures one. But so some of the people, um, obviously phil and char roos who are the founders of a year to volunteer um, they've really given us a purpose for for what we're doing because they're the ones organizing the projects and for a guy who has been the organizer of things for so long (laughs) to be able to just come in and show up and not have to worry about all the background (laughs) is incredible. And they are just, just such incredible human beings. Uh, grateful every day that, you know, we get to interact with them so often. Um, and another volunteer that we've met through a year to volunteer, um, Oren Fadler. I, I talk about him often. Um, he'll be turning 80 years old next week and he's a retired general contractor um, built everything from multi-unit apartments and condominiums to Carl's juniors, fast food restaurants to bridges. And this guy, um, again, turning 80 in a week, just will outwork, um, so many of us that are 20 and 30 years younger than him. (laughs) Um, and just, but it's not even so much about how hard he works but he loves being able to share his knowledge with other people. And, you know, I tell people all the time that I am very possibly the least handy full-time RVer in the world. You know, I am not a Mr. Fix it type of guy, like this project that we're doing in our RV right now, you know, it's, it's beyond like, I've got some help with it. Um, but, but when I'm, When I'm working with Oren and he's, you know, showing me stuff and we're, we're building stuff, you know, like he just, he dumbs it down to that. It's so simple for me to be able to do it and, you know, really contribute to the project. Um, And he's just, he's just such a kind and incredible human being and, Again, I was able to do a podcast with him and we talked about that where I, you know, I asked him like, why, you know, like, why, why, why give back? Why share that knowledge? And he was just like, well, you know, my father-in-law shared it with me, you know, so I feel that now it's time for me to share it with other people, you know, because otherwise it would just die, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so he's, he's been um, just an incredible incredible person to be around. We've been able to do three projects with him. And the last two that we did with him, I I was able to work more side by side with him than what the first one we did. And it was just so special to to get to know him. And um, when we were in Tennessee on the last project that we did with him, um, you know, we don't we don't tow a vehicle um, in our RV. So we just have the RV. So if we're going off site for a meal or something like that, like we're having to hitch a ride with somebody. So, you know, or, right out of the gate was like, you know, you and Sandy can ride with me when we go to get pizza, when we go to, you know, wherever else, the barbecue place, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, so he was just, again, open arms, you know, kind of brought us in as, as his own and, you know, carted us around with him, Um, you know, wherever we went he, he's just a, an incredible incredible human being for sure um i i had mentioned we're having um lunch with some friends of ours or again fellow volunteers uh who are both former nasa engineers uh jeff and susan spencer and again just wonderful wonderful human beings you know they they uh they actually um help a year to volunteer with what they call uh, Y2V2 projects, which are like a, a smaller project where Phil and Char aren't there. Uh, they kind of head up, you know, those projects for them. And, and again, just um, you know, hearing their story and um, they were, they were kind of deliberating back and forth whether or not they were going to full-time RV or not. And they're actually on a trip and a storm came through and a tree actually fell on their existing house at that time and split it in half, which kind of made their decision (laughs) (laughs) that they were going to go full-time RV. Um, You know, and uh, again, like we're, we're really looking forward to getting together with them next week to just share, share that, you know, some time with them. And, you know, all of those people that we've met, um, you know, as we connect then on social media and we're able to follow each other's journeys, you know, like places that we've been to that now they're going through, um, you know, places that they're going through that we know we want to get to. And, you know, we're kind of like each other's travel guides to an extent. And then the last, um, uh, Group that I want to want to bring up is uh, Cody and Brittany um, Hollowfield, who are actually full-time RVers with um, a 14 and a seven-year-old son as well, and just so incredible for them to, you know, kind of have the foresight to teach their kids again that they don't have to be part of this hamster wheel, you know. And uh, I was able to do a podcast with Barrett, their 14 year old son, and to hear the wisdom of a you know a 14 year old living this lifestyle and how he embraces being able to work side by side with a retired general contractor, with retired NASA engineers, with you know all these vast backgrounds of people that he is just a sponge of and he has the foresight to like, He's generally an old soul and uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: sit down and, and talk with him at such a young wow. age and he has the, you know, he understands the maturity. Like, yeah. yeah, and like a big deal, like it's a big deal to gain this knowledge from other people as opposed to just reading in a textbook and, and stuff like that. Um, really yeah, special. Wow. You really condone his parents for again, having that foresight to a, you know, teach both their kids to, you know, that there are other ways to live your life, but then to also get them involved in, in volunteering and giving back really resonated with me because, you know, that's what my mom did, you know? So as a, as a young boy, she was yeah. dragging me around to all these volunteer projects that she would do. So as I became an adult, it wasn't like something I needed to be convinced of like, Hey, this is what you do. Cause it was kind of you know, bred into me at that point that, you know, so when I became an adult, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go help. I'm gonna help here, I'm gonna help there. Um, yeah, so those are just, uh, you know, just scratching the surface of, of some of the amazing things. Yeah, I can
0: imagine. Yeah, met. absolutely fantastic, fantastic. I guess um, what really comes through, and I kinda of know this too, um, is that is the human ingenuity, is the human compassion, especially when the chips are down, when you are stripped of the things that you think matter in your life material possessions when lives are on the line when the call to service comes around you see so many people rise up to the challenge um to see that and you know what you were talking about earlier in the show where, where where you know this volunteering and people coming out when they've no electricity themselves and still preparing sandwiches or whatever it was for other people because there are people in need and to see that to encounter amazing people who are not caught up in the drama of modern life of this system that has been forced upon us for thousands of years whatever you want to call it to live the lifestyle that you're doing to wake up and see these amazing beautiful sights, you begin to realize this world has so much to offer and we're not being told it because of the way that our media is and because of the modern lifestyles that we um are kind of forced into um, Largely, we come home from our jobs and close our doors and our blinds. And we don't interact with our communities anymore. We've gotten away from, certainly here in in this country here, away from a state of being where our doors were left unlocked, where everyone knew each other um, and everyone trusted each other and everyone was willing to help out. And it's become this kind of, in modern in modern cities I guess um up until now it's become this kind of uh removing away from that human connection that human compassion so to listen to your story to hear all of these tales of people coming together of all these people willing to volunteer of all these amazing sites and places that you've been you really begin to realize that you know Beneath that sort of surface level, there is a maybe something bubbling, something coming to the surface, a change in society, a change in the way of life. And what we were talking about earlier, throughout this COVID, where it's forced people to do a lot of introspection. I think that's beginning to sink into the consciousness of 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 societies of people, so that potentially in the future we can potentially look to a new way of life, one in which it is a volunteering, of bartering of an exchange of goods rather than this rat race. Do you see that maybe yourself?
1: Yeah, 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 I, re- I really do. I really do, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the RV community that we've been able to interact with, even though it's a mobile community, is is an incredibly special community. It, it reminds me of when I'm when I was a kid. And again, like you said, the doors were unlocked, and we knew our neighbors and we could, you know, my mom would send me over for a stick of butter, or our neighbor would come over because <laughs> they needed sugar or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, that's been really special for us as being part of this RV community, because it is an incredible, incredible community and it, it gives it gives me hope it gives me hope that yeah. you know we can change the the path we're on as a society not just as individuals
0: yeah absolutely i, I do believe that and through my own kind of readings and research you know there's a, a, a talk about it tom blue in the face about this great shift in our society and in the consciousness a lot of our indigenous um, and uh uh like uh indigenous uh, cultures um have long talked about you know their myths and legends and stuff like this but of course we think we know better in our modernized society this nonsense or whatever but they've long prophesied, you know of this great time that we're coming through and I think that if we even if we don't quite believe it if we embrace that idea um and try to make it happen go well you know I'm going to try and live as a better person I'm going to volunteer I'm going to offer my services I am going to try to do something because I know that this is coming and I want to be a part of it it brings it into reality it can bring it into reality you know by simply um imagining that it is going to happen I think that if we embrace that way of life that we think is going to come because we want to be a part of it it can actually bring it into reality so I I am very hopeful I am very hopeful that that Things will change for us at some point down the line, and it's interesting you're saying about planting seeds, because sometimes I often refer to myself as I'm just here to plant seeds, and I may not be around to see them come to fruition, but someone else will see reap the benefit of my work or whatever. Um, So I think it is very important to, to do that. Dan, um I want to just ask where people can find you what where people can go and read these fascinating and deeply insightful blog pieces where people can read and listen to the these great people who um are not in the public consciousness which you have brought into the public consciousness through this where people can follow your journeys where people can read your book and get your book
1: yeah, so it's uh, journeymymothersson.com or just danclauser.com. Both both domains go to the same site. I just figured sometimes it's easier to remember danclauser.com than <laughs> journeymymothersson.com and that really will take you everywhere else you need to be whether it's, you know, reading the blogs, um, going to the podcast links, um, it will take you everywhere you need to go if uh, you know, people are looking for speaking engagements or you know consulting or anything like that it's all there books are there everything is there so that's really um the only spot that you that you need to go and you can find um, everything about our journey
0: yeah absolutely amazing thank you so much for sharing that and dan this interview has run one hour 50 minutes almost and it's simply because there is so much about your journey so much about the work that you do and one of the things that i didn't mention is that when you are volunteering in whatever regard that is, because I've done that myself, when you can have a positive impact on someone else's life, when that person leaves your company because of what you've done for them, big or small, in a changed manner, in a changed way, when they are utterly thankful for what you have done, money cannot buy that. Money cannot buy that. that. hits your heart and it hits your soul we have transformed that person's life and it's so so impactful and i guess this is why i wanted to really spend this amount of time with you to really get into your journey what makes you tick and i think this should be an inspiration to anyone to go from the position that you were in to even just being in 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 a job in an environment in which you. We're already creating a positive impact. To to be in a position where you're helping even more people is so so utterly inspiring, and it should be an inspiration for anyone who has always dreamed about doing something like this. How do I escape the rat race? I would love to cruise on my boat. I would love to travel the country. It can't be done for the reasons that you that you have explained. Not only in today's society, but even the way that your mom used to do it. In the 70s and 80s. It can't it was able to be done then, it's able to be done now. And I just need to convince my own wife to <laughs> to get into the lifestyle. Dan, thank you so so much. I'm really, really glad and so utterly thankful that I took the opportunity to to um, accept you on as a guest. You've been so impactful to me, you've been such an inspiration to me, and I truly hope that. Whoever views this and whoever listens to it really dedicates the time to listen to you and your wonderful, impactful story that you and your wife and Golden Retriever are currently doing. Because I know that your Golden Retriever also contributes to your your, your
1: podcast four wings, and four paws. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, as a matter of fact, he must have heard you talking about him because he just he just walked over to me. So <laughs> he heard through the headphones.
0: So Dan, thank you so so much. I'm not going to ask you to leave an inspirational message because everything that you have talked about today has been of an inspirational nature. I'm not too sure how much
1: else I can wring out of you, to be honest. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I know, uh, like I said, we didn't expect it to go as long as it did, but it no. was so, it was worth every minute. I really enjoyed absolutely, it. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. I would not change it for for the thing. And this is what I've constantly said. It's it's about the things I like to ask, you know. And, And I'm really not to say that I'm not engaged with anyone else, but when I find someone who is such an inspirational figure, who has, you know, has done so much and is currently doing so much, it's it's just natural for me to want to talk. So thank you for, for, for reaching out to me rather than me accepting you as a guest. It's been an honor.
1: Thank you. It's an honor for me as well.